Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. So today on the podcast, I'm so excited to have Leslie and Zach Lang here with me. They are the hosts of the podcast Half Better, and they're all about personal development together. And I just love that they're a couple doing a podcast together, talking about personal development, not just from that personal angle, but, you know, doing it as a team. And so I just felt like Leslie and Zach had so much wisdom that they could share with all of us. I know many of you out there listening have expressed the fact that you wish maybe your spouse was a little bit more gung-ho about goal setting or maybe was cheerleading you a little bit more with your goals. And so I think we're going to learn a lot from Leslie and Zach and how they handle that. So welcome to the show, Leslie and Zach. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you so much. So I would love to start with kind of the backstory. You both are very into productivity. You're very into intentional living. But I got to know, has it always been that way or is this something newer for you two? No, it has not always been this way. Zach was definitely the first one that got into it. And I was the reluctant goal setter that was being sort of... See, and she says this as sort of someone who had, you know, straight A's at a fancy schmancy private college and everything. So it's not like she (laughs) was not a goal setter or high achiever. It just sort of was maybe that intention that's behind it all. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, why don't you talk about how you got started? I had sort of been a productivity nerd, as it were, just sort of always enjoyed podcasts, even before really podcasts were a huge thing. And I read Getting Things Done in the early 2000s when it was first coming out and just enjoyed that sort of aspect of of living and learning. And I loved all of that. I think what really got me going was around the birth of our first child, I was around about 80 pounds heavier than I am now. Let's just say that. And sort of got into more intentional living around my health. And that was when things just really started clicking for me around focusing on what I was putting in my body, how I was exercising, and just seeing then the benefits in terms of energy and productivity gains from you know the physical goals that I was achieving. And started reading more and more about life planning and that sort of thing. And I think that's sort of what hooked Leslie in was that term life planning, I think. Okay, interesting. And so I got to know, as you were, you know, you started with some of those physical goals and health goals, were you trying to get Leslie on board? Or were you just like, no, let me just do my thing and kind of see what happens? I was trying to get well, I don't know if I was trying to get her on board. I was trying to help me out some as well. So, you know, I was trying to watch what food I was eating or something. And she was totally in this baking big, big phase. Cookies every yeah, I was single like, go to Costco and... and get a 10 pound bag of sugar because I'm going to try every chocolate chip cookie recipe I can find on the internet. Right. And the other thing was that I'm not a natural exerciser. So while he invited me all the time to 
go running with him or to, you know, just come and walk when he runs. It was several years that I was just like, no, 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 no. And that's something we talk about a lot. And I think the thing there is that he just kept doing him. Like we always say, you do you and you continue on. And eventually your partner will see all the benefits that you have gained from all the work that you have done. And Zach was always, I don't know, like sharing what he was learning and what he was doing. And it was like, okay, I'm going to start eating this way. And this is kind of the reason why. But it was never a force like, this is the way we're going to eat. And I only want you to cook this because this is how I want it. It was kind of like just an informational thing. And, you know, there would be books that he would lie out that he was kind of reading about. And so like they were around the house and I was being exposed to them, but never in like a pushy sort of kind of way. So if I felt like I wanted to pick one up and kind of browse through it, I could. And so Sometimes I would even ask questions and things like that. And so as I saw how wonderful everything was for him, I was sort of like, okay, I really think I need to get on board. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we hear this all the time, but it's like your actions always speak louder than words. You know, when you're seeing that other person reap the benefits of their new goals and their new lifestyle, then yes. And like you said, you're surrounded by it. You know, I've heard that advice about like leaving books around, even as far as our kids go. Right. Like just rather than tell them, here are these books I got for you. You should read them. Just kind of like leave them around (laughs) the house and see what happens. Right. You can't make someone change who doesn't want to change. And the thing is, was when he was ready to change, I wasn't. And so had he been really forceful, I guess, maybe, and been like, this is what we're doing. I really... Or, We've or, even heard stories of partners who walk in the door and just be like, all right, we're going paleo this week or we're on a budget, <laughs> like no more spending, like no nothing. And yeah. just the resistance that is going to be met from that because you're going to dig in your heels. Right. Yeah. You yourself are going to protect yourself of like, well, what am I doing wrong? You know, why do I need to change that sort of thing versus sort of doing this introspection of like, wow, my partner is really meeting these goals and improving and, and I want to learn more versus being on the defensive. Yeah, that's so true. Right. And when I was ready, then I gladly jumped into it. And it wasn't like a full all in. I kind of baby stepped in. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) But eventually we got there. (laughs) Yeah, because now, I mean, it seems like both of you are very into goals. Everything about your life seems just very planned and structured. And maybe we should jump into that next because I'm so curious about this. You have this family headquarters system. And I feel like you've got all these other ways that you just live very intentionally that I'm slightly envious of because I would say I'm intentional with business and like my own personal development, but bringing that into the whole family, I think is so wonderful. Yeah, that's a really great question. We really look at intentional living in this sort of holistic view. And really, if you are excelling in one aspect of your life, but the others are really, you know, tanking, then you're really not living up to your fullest potential. And so we really try and look at all the different parts, we call them life channels, all the different parts of your life, and try and make each area as best as it can be. So we have this four kind of pronged approach to sort of keeping it all together and getting on the same page. And that is our weekly preview or review, however you want to view it, our partner meeting, And then our family meeting, which kind of pairs along with our family headquarters. So, Zach, do you want to talk about the weekly preview? 
Sure. Yeah. So this is where this is something that we do individually, where we are then setting aside time. And, and usually we try and help each other out with scheduling in this time. You know, usually it's a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. And we're just looking back at the past week, what went well, what didn't go so well, looking through the calendar that's upcoming and scheduling in our big rocks that we want to our, our non-negotiables. You know, do we want to work out? Do we need a date night? sort of getting those on the calendar first and planning out our big three, like the three things that are really going to move us individually forward in whatever goals that we're working on and focused on at that moment. Right. And the Brilliant Life Planner is excellent for this because you have the weekly review already built in there and then you have your big three things for both personal and work. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) And so after the weekly review, then we actually have another meeting, which we call our partner meeting. Sometimes we call it our partner business meeting. And this is where we come together after we've each done our review. And we usually try to do this on the Sunday, ideally after we've done it before the week starts. And we have kind of this framework of things that we always touch on when we get together. For example, our budget, we talk about schedule, we talk about meals for the week, we talk about house chores. And then we sort of have this open forum section where we can bring up things that we like to discuss. And The reason why we started doing this, and there's this phrase coined by Esther Perel, and it's called keeping the sacred and the secular separate in your relationship. So it's basically keeping what she calls the secular things of your relationship, such as bill payment, house chores, like all that boring, nitty gritty stuff from bleeding into your everyday life. Because if you let those things into your everyday conversations, you'll start to feel more like roommates and partners, like your conversations are really transactional. And that's not how things were when you were first together. Like you talked about what we call the sacred things. You you dreamt together and you just talked about a whole bunch of what ifs and you had like these really deep conversations. But if you are not keeping the secular, like combined to like the small one thing, that's what you would talk about every single night at dinner or every time you see each other, you'd be like, oh, did you pay that bill and whatnot? I love that idea, I have to say, because I can see that happening. Like, yes, that is a huge part of like the conversations that Chris and I will have together. You know, you're passing each other like, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? And yeah, that is such a wonderful idea. Keep the secular and sacred separate. And Esther Perel, she's amazing. Yeah, I'm always trying to catch podcasts that she's on. Yeah. And I think it's even if both partners or one of the partners has their own business, that's even more of a bigger thing because you always are so excited about what you're doing and you want to talk about it, but your partner might not always be there with you. So if you have this like designated time where you can really just kind of save your things (laughs) for then, which is hard to do in the beginning. So what I use is the Sunday column in the week, the weekly view. That's where I jot down things that I want to discuss in the partner meeting. So if, you know, it's Monday afternoon, I'm like, oh, I really want to talk to Zach about this, but it's not, you know, something urgent. And it's one of those like transactional things. I just put it in the Sunday slot and the Brilliant Life Planner underneath partner meeting. And I got it down there. And then I know when we meet, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And I'm a little more digital in in the way that I handle sort of tasks and productivity. And, you know, I use a digital task manager and have a Leslie tag. And if things (laughs) pop into my head as, as I'm going through the week and something that we need to talk about that isn't necessarily super urgent, I will just capture it and tag it with Leslie and then pull up that list during our partner meeting. Yeah. And also another aspect of this meeting that I think is really essential for feeling heard and supported is that we actually ask each other 
how can I support you this week? And what do you need from me to be successful with X, Y, Z, whatever it is? You know, if we're looking at our schedule and we realize that like the next two weeks are going to be crazy busy, we talk about that. What do you need from me to help relieve some of that stress? Or how can I help you get this done by this date? So we're really sort of working together. And it's not necessarily all work stuff or... I've got a race coming up in two weeks. I'm a little nervous about it, but I actually don't want you to talk about it. That's another thing that we try and make explicit to each other. It's like, it's okay to say, I don't actually want support or want you to bring this up Mm -hmm. and being okay with that. Yeah. You both probably relate to your own goals and things that you're doing in a very different way. So That's so true. I love how proactive that is and the asking every week, like, how can I support you better? Again, those are questions that Chris and I ask each other, but it's very random. It's very, you know, it's, I'm sure it's not often enough. So I love that that's built into your weekly routine and just the ways that you each are then so aware of what's going on with the other person and can basically share the load when it comes to that. Yeah, it definitely helps, like, especially if we're looking at our list of things to do. And I can say, okay, I've got all these things that are kind of on my plate. And the last part of our four pronged approach kind of is combined in our family meeting and our family headquarters. So we usually have a family meeting every week, and it sort of works out that during family dinner on Sunday night, but it really doesn't have to be over a meal or on a Sunday. That's just what really works for us. And we found, especially when our kids were little, that having food to keep them sitting while we're trying to have a family meeting (laughs) is a great motivator. So our family meeting just starts off, we discuss what we call a rose and a thorn, so something that is really positive or that we're grateful for and maybe something that wasn't so great that happened this week. We sometimes call it a rainbow or a storm cloud. And then if they don't have any storm clouds, like they can just choose to share three positive things from the day or the week. And so that just kind of sets the tone. And then we look at our family headquarters. And that basically for us is a whiteboard erase calendar that we have hanging near our eating area. And it contains all the essential schedule items for our family. So it has appointments, when school is, when are play dates, when is vacation or travel dates. You know, Zach goes to the office some days during the week and some days he works from the home. So we put that on there as well. And then I also put all of our upcoming meals on there. So I use it for our meal planning. So first we review the calendar and the upcoming schedule and we discuss anything pertaining to it that we need to. And, you know, this is also another like time where we just look at schedules and how do we need to juggle and maybe who's going to pick up who and who needs to be where, when, just kind of that logistical stuff that we've got going on. And then we have an open forum. Do you want to talk about that, Zach? Yeah, so we usually will just ask if anyone has anything that they want to talk about or discuss how things went this past week. We'll talk about family contributions. So that's sort of our term for chores and how that went. You know, if there's issues with how cleaning rooms went for the week or something, we can talk about that. Our daughter sometimes feels like she doesn't need to clean it as often as we sometimes think she does. And so (laughs) that just can be a discussion to have at the table. It's really important to us that the kids feel like they have a voice in the meeting. So it's, you know, a conversation and we're a team working together. Our last name is Lang. So we we try and say we're the Lang gang. That we're this, you know, this team that's working together and it's not just us talking down to them. Yeah. So we're all sitting together. We're all at the same level. We're all at the same table and it's we're all contributing to this together. Yeah. And in the beginning, I will note, like we started this when our daughter was about three 
and then we had, you know, our, our son when he was born, you know, so in the beginning, it wasn't necessarily that she could actually engage in the conversation. You know, if we say like, do you have anything you want to talk about? It'd be like, I want cookies or <laughs> something like that. But we would, we would validate that because now that she is older and she is seven, like she actually brings real things, like real concerns that she has to the family meeting. And she knows that it's a place where she'll be heard. I love that. So, okay. I am really curious about chores, AKA family contributions. Love that name as well. How do you guys organize that? And is there allowance as any, is that coming into play money rewards or just like, this is what you need to do? I'd love to hear more about that. We sort of have this list of things that are not rewarded. It's just sort of, these are things that we do as a family to contribute together. One of the solutions that we came up with is a power hour. And so on usually a Saturday morning, we will set a timer for an hour, take a, another dry erase whiteboard that we have in the house. Apparently, we have a lot of dry erase <laughs> whiteboards in the house. And They're sort useful. Of, and even like as a group, sort of determine what all needs to be taken care of. Rooms cleaned, floors swept, kitchen cleaned. You know, we'll make a big list of everything that needs to occur. Everyone gets to pick certain music to play throughout the house. You know, we will have like the power hour playlist, but everyone gets an option. And usually there's some awful, like the hamster dance song will get added to the playlist. <laughs> and we will set a timer. You know, there will be a big clock with the countdown and we will say, ready, set, go and see what all we can get done in that time frame. And so that is sort of just everyone working together. This is something that the family does together. There is not monetary rewards or anything for those contributions during power hour. We have started introducing some during the week, especially as we were coming into the summer and there was some interest in going to the arts and crafts store to buy things and sort of how we had those conversations with the kids. Right. And so then we set some other things that they could do throughout the week that had sort of a monetary value with it. And so once they did their baseline contribution for the day, we kind of called it a buy-in, which is to make their bed, pick up their room and put away their laundry. Then they could do some additional things around the house to earn some money for things that they might want to buy for the summer. And then we use, I'm not sure if you've heard of Dave Ramsey. He kind of has a mm -hmm. The three things that he always has the kids put their money in. So spend, save, and give. And so then we have them divided up through that. So that's sort of how we sort of do it. I love that. It's a work in progress. It is, yeah. it is a work in progress. And I will say it is interesting. So the power hour on the weekend came out of a family meeting because I was expressing my frustration at the fact that we were spending most of Saturday morning cleaning up from the week and how we didn't get to do anything fun. And the kids were like, yeah, we don't. Like, <laughs> it's really not fun to have to do all the stuff that's left around in the house and to do it. And so we floated a few ideas. Do we do a little bit every single night or do we, you know, do this power hour? And so they had opted for power hour. It was a little bit of both because I think yeah. laundry was one of those mm -hmm. issues as well. That was sort of... We'd have know, Mount Laundry left, on yeah, the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we call it. It was Mount Laundry. <laughs> and it, that would be what was, you know, really keeping us not stuck, but there was a lot of work to, you know, work through the laundry and do all of that. And so another idea that that came out of a family meeting was daddy will do the laundry the night before and sort of, you know, bring it upstairs and it will then be ready for mom and the kids to fold and put away. So it was even like sort of how can we divide and conquer mm -hmm. on a daily basis to sort of make this not part of power hour, not part of just this giant weekend task that we needed to go through and even like revisit it 
a few weeks after making that decision at a family meeting, like, is this still working out? You know, do you guys still agree to this? And it still is working. Yeah. I mean, these are just such great ideas. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, okay, yep, we need to do that. We need to do that. The tricky thing in our house is my husband's a pilot. So like sometimes he's gone for four days in a row and then he's home for a bunch of days in a row. So it looks a little bit different, but you know, we can still incorporate a lot of those things. We did used to be a lot better with like a power hour. It wasn't quite as official, but I love that one, the kids get to help contribute to the playlist. So again, they're feeling part of it and they have a say. And two, that you just set that timer for an hour because you're so right that the household chores can just take over our entire lives if we let them. So to just set that hour and say, we're going to do the best we can, and then we're going to enjoy time together. I think that's so great. Yeah. And I think that the kids really see that we can then really be present, especially me, because I am the type of person that if there is clutter, it like it gives me anxiety. And so I will just keep doing stuff and keep pushing off, you know, oh, no, I'll play with you in a couple minutes. Let me just finish this. Let me just do that. And whereas if it's done, then we can actually really go for a hike or play board games or go to the park. And so I think they do see that sort of reward to putting in the work. When we first started off, we really had to actually define a goal for what we would do as soon as Power Hour was over to kind of link that. So it was like, okay, today when we finish Power Hour, we are going on a bike ride. Today when we finish Power Hour, we are going to play this board game. And so that sort of, especially for our younger ones, sort of solidified that, okay, I have this period of work, but and we would just, you know, we'd say, okay, we're almost there. We're going to go for a bike ride when we're finished. And now we don't necessarily need to do that as much because they sort of know that once it's done, then we're going to do something. But it's helpful in the beginning to kind of set up that expectation. Yes. I mean, that's some extra motivation right there. I love it. I need it too. I mean, it's helpful too. (laughs) That's true. I mean, let's be honest. I feel like working at home all the time, I'm constantly like, okay, just spend one focused hour, you know, doing this one thing that I keep putting off. And then you can, you know, read your favorite book for, I don't know, 20 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you both seem like you have figured this out really well, especially the fact that you have that partner meeting each week where you can bring up issues and concerns. But what advice do you have for a couple where maybe one partner feels like the workload is really lopsided or one partner is just feeling totally overwhelmed? How can they come together and make things work better without it turning into a blow up or a disaster? <laughs> I think one tactic that may help out some would be avoiding sort of sharing pain you know, associating pain with this, like like you were saying with the blow up and sort of sharing more the benefits that could come from sharing the workload. For example, you could say, I'm really overwhelmed right now. Would it be possible for me to have a morning to catch up on whatever it is, you know, to do that weekly review or to catch up on some work so that we could have more time together as a couple? Like, I know that you've been wanting to go see the new Avengers movie. I would not be able to really enjoy it. Knowing I have all this stuff to do. Knowing that I have all this stuff. It would be really beneficial to me if you would be willing to let me have, you know, this morning alone without the kids to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And same with the, just like if you're thinking about the household tasks. So we actually started the partner meeting before, like I was a a full-time stay-at-home mom and Zach was working. And I had shared this idea of the partner meeting because I was sort of like, 
I'm a classic nag. I guess you could say I'm always, you know, have you done this yet? Have you done that yet? Have you done all these things? And so to sell him on the idea of this partner meeting, I sort of like sold the benefit to him as to why it would be good for him to have this partner meeting. I was like, you know what? If we have this, I will not nag you during the week because I know I'll have this space at the time to sort of knock out all the things that we need to. And you will have a less stressed, a much happier, a much, you know, enjoyable wife for the week. And I think that it's kind of like selling the why, selling the why to your partner as to why what you want to have done is beneficial to them rather than just saying. Yeah, the why of the future state, like how things could be better, not necessarily why. It's horrible right now. Exactly. Yeah. A really good resource is the book Crucial Conversations. Oh, okay. And it sort of has, it walks you through all these different ways to approach really sensitive subjects and to have those difficult conversations in a way that makes it safe for both partners. Because, you know, sometimes when you're coming to share with a partner, like, hey, I've got way more stuff to do around the house than you do. You don't want to put them on the defensive because you want to create a space where there is opportunity for an open discussion because it would be really beneficial for both partners if you had a really productive conversation. And so that is a book actually that we both read and now we sort of understand the language of crucial conversations and can identify when one is trying to have a crucial conversation with the other. But I don't think both partners have to read it. I think if you wanted to read it on your own, you could still absolutely utilize the, I guess, techniques for having techniques and just even like vocabulary and since we're both familiar with it you know if i am starting to get emotional or something in a conversation you know leslie can say like we need to make this a safe space for both of us can you start with the heart and sort of tell me you know what is it that you are really like what are you really feeling not you know what is this reaction that you're having that sort of thing so that's a really good resource Hmm, that's good I think, too, just the fact that you have the partner meeting each week, I mean, that's just huge because, you know, one of the things I hear a lot, and this has been the case often in my marriage as well, is that, you know, I have a spouse who is so helpful and so supportive, but I feel like in years past, the mentality was much more of, you know, hey, babe, just let me know when you need help or just tell me what I need to do. And then I feel like, and I don't know if this is only women who feel this way, but usually if the woman is handling a lot of the household stuff, to us, it feels like one more chore of like, oh, great. Now I've got to manage you too. Like I'm managing these little humans (laughs) all day. And now I'm also having to constantly give you your chores and your to-do list and like manage you too. But what you guys talk about is there's so many more clearly defined roles and tasks which I think is, at first it sounds restrictive, but I feel like it's very freeing in a way. Yeah, we always talk about that a lot, that it's the same thing with like, you know, time blocking or any of those things. Before you sort of understand it and work with it, you feel like that is very restrictive. But there's so much freedom in these structures that kind of opens up the space for the rest of your life, you know, if you have these routines and rhythms. And and we just know, I you know, that is the partner meeting has just really made it a place where we're on the same level and we can just share and ask for support. I love that. I feel like you two just balance this so well and have some wisdom here. And this is another comment or question that I see quite a bit from my audience, which is, and actually maybe let me, let me give a little bit of backstory on this. So, (laughs) which I think this is how we had connected and said that, yes, you two needed to come on the podcast (laughs) because I had shared 
basically what was going on in the comments of someone's Instagram post. This person is a seven-figure business owner. (laughs) She's crazy busy. And I thought her question was great, which is like, I've got a super busy week up ahead. Give me all your best tips and advice for how I can make this run smoothly and keep all the balls in the air, essentially. But what I was amazed by was, and this audience was basically almost majority female, And they were all chiming in and saying like, do slow cooker meals and do this and prep lunches ahead and do all the laundry this weekend. And every single answer was all just, you need to do more. You just keep on do, do, doing and like you will ascend to the superwoman level. That's how it felt to me at least. And I just was looking at the comments going, why is no one saying delegate more, delegate here, delegate there, delegate more to your spouse this week? Even if that's not the normal in your family or his normal roles, get him on board, have him doing way more. I just, I honestly was just so shocked that no one was really suggesting that at all. And I just knew for me and the way our house works is if I have a busy week with the business, then my husband who has a full-time job, he literally does everything. I don't worry about a thing. I don't worry about a single meal, nothing. And so, I mean, obviously when he's home, it's different. (laughs) When he's out of town, I do everything. So I guess maybe that's why it makes sense for us because sometimes I do everything and sometimes he does everything. But anyways, I just, to me, it seems like you guys have a much more egalitarian (laughs) approach to your marriage. And so I would just love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Oh, and that brings me back. When I posed this to my audience and basically said, am I totally off base here that I feel like this person's spouse should just literally do all of these tasks this week and she shouldn't have to worry about a thing? And a lot of people wrote in and said, well, that's great for her. She's got this big successful business, but I don't earn anything right now. My husband's the sole breadwinner or my spouse, whoever. And so all the household stuff is on me. It was basically like my spouse's value is that they earn all the money. And so then my value is that I have to do everything else, basically. So anyways, I would just love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I had seen that you had sort of said you wanted to discuss that question. I was I was trying to figure out what the tone of the statement was. Is is the person saying it in a like, oh, I have to do everything? Or is it in a joyful, more like I'm happy to do this because I don't contribute financially right now? Yeah. And I think that that makes a big difference. So if you are taking on all those tasks, but you are extremely resentful of it, that's a completely different conversation that you should be having with your partner than if you are fully happy to do those things because you don't contribute financially. And that would create a very different conversation between you and your partner. We do definitely have a, like, we both help out a lot where we can. Though I would say when I wasn't working full-time, I definitely did a lot more of things than I do now. I think it's as the amount of hours that I have been working outside the home has kind of increased and also that we've been doing half better. So we're both doing a side hustle at the same time. Then we really naturally had to sort of divvy it because we were both feeling overwhelmed. And then that starts to affect our relationship and how we interact with one another. And I'm trying to remember when it was like that, how it felt on your end, Zach. When we were in that transition period? That's a good question. I was trying to even just think about the practicalities of how we came about. I was thinking that like this past new year was a really good example of Leslie works in enrollment for a school. And so, you know, coming into the spring is a busy time of year. And she recognized that a busy season was coming up. 
And we actually took two days together, but really took you know one full day to sort of look at the upcoming quarter or season and knew what was going to be struggles in terms of scheduling and fitting in times for non-negotiables. Like Leslie wants to walk 30 minutes a day or I want to go to the gym. So like, where do those fit in? And one of the exercises that we do is come up with an ideal week. So we separately sort of write out in a perfect world, what would our weeks look like? Would you wake up at this time and have this morning ritual and do this with your family at this time, work at this time? So we do those individually. And it's very similar to sort of our weekly review and then our partner meeting, because then we do the ideal weeks individually and then come back together and sort of reconcile them and how can we help each other out. And it's something that we revisit, what would you say? I mean, regularly, at at least every few months, if not Mm -hmm. more, just based on sort of the seasons of busyness that we're experiencing. And I found that to be really super helpful in terms of Knowing where I can help contribute, you know, I I can do school pickup and drop off on certain days. And just knowing that those are the days that it is, you can have those in the schedule for that ideal week and work with those. Another thing that it made me think about is going back to sort of our view of living intentionally and looking at all aspects of your life. And even if you're not necessarily, you have a vocation right now, a job. That's only one of eight or nine aspects of your life. So not having something to contribute in that way is only one little area. And there's all these other areas in which you can contribute and work on your life. Like placing too much value on being a financial contributor Mm -hmm. is not the healthiest measure of a balanced and holistic view of your life or, or your family together or something. I mean, there's, you know, how are you contributing with emotional support, with health, with adding hobbies and fun to your family? There's all sorts of different aspects to these life channels versus just finances. Yeah. I think that's so true. And it's funny because when that whole conversation happened, you know, Chris and I had talked about it and he said, the thing is, if these women who, because, you know, a lot of my audience, they're women trying to build a business on the side. So oftentimes they are, you know, stay at home moms and just trying to fit that in, in the margins, but they're early stages in some cases. And so again, yeah, they're not bringing home that paycheck yet, but they are trying to do this on the side. And he said, he's like, well, are their roles really going to change? Like, what's the financial number that then all of a sudden, you know, her spouse says, yeah, I thought that was so interesting. Like you said, it's it's strange to put a number on it. Each person brings so much value to the table. And so to make it some sort of a monetary wicket of like, oh, now you can get some extra <laughs> support for these other things. That shouldn't be how a relationship works. Yeah. And I like that. And that's another way that what Zach was mentioning, this concept of like the ideal week is that if, you know, even if you are starting up your business as a side hustle, like blocking out when you are going to work on it and when you then have time for chores and then you bring that to the family meeting, you're like, look, now that I'm doing this, it's going to grow into a business, but I need to carve the space out now to make that a possibility. I don't have time to do all these other things. So, you know, would you be willing to help support me in these? Or brainstorm other options. options you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, would you, yeah, you can tell that we say, would you be willing a lot? Because that's like a peaceful way of, of asking for help. So we'd say, yeah. like, you know, would you be willing to research grocery delivery options for us? Like just brainstorming other ways of solving these problems that the family is having. It's not an individual. You're right. So it's it's trying to have that larger contribution discussion together. I love that. 
Okay, so you both just mentioned that, you know, even if it feels like an individual goal, let's say it's that mom who wants to start up a side hustle, it involves the whole family. It's we're a family unit, right? So talk to me about the ways you all craft family routines to make sure that you have plenty of time to connect with each other and really have that quality family time. Yeah. So You know, in the business world or in productivity, you hear about creating a great morning and evening routine for yourself. And we sort of take that a step further. And we have actually created a family evening routine so that we have a whole family rhythm. And, you know, personally, I'm all about productivity so you can get things done and then have time to be present in your life and with your family and with the things that you want to do. And one of the ways that we make this easy on us is to institute sort of these routines or rhythms. So our evening routine actually shifts depending on our season. And that's why, as Zach had said earlier, that it's essential to sort of revisit your ideal week every so often because your needs are going to be different at different times of the year. But when Zach and I looked at our goals and sort of our different life channels and the things that we wanted in those areas of life, we realized that we wanted to build in more connection time with our children so that we could build that foundation for a strong relationship. And so one of the best ways to do that, which sounds restrictive to a lot of people, but is to actually schedule that connection time in. We were having also requests in our family meeting from our kids for more one-on-one time. They call it special time. So we kind of pulled apart our evening family block time and decided what we would do so that we could build in more connection on a daily basis. So it wasn't just like, oh, yes, this weekend when we have more time, then we'll spend time with our kids and kind of figured out what our evening would look like as a family. Do you want to go through what our evening routine is, see? Yeah, so where we landed was dinner together. And even during that dinner, we were, you know, we would try and do the sharing three positive things or storm cloud and rainbow or whatever metaphor we've landed on for that week. <laughs> it's always changing. Clean up and and packing lunches and, you know, some of that is just trying to prepare our future selves for success for the next day like getting ready for the morning if it's school time or summer camp doing any other extra family contributions or responsibilities just to get ready for the next day. And then special time. So one-on-one with the kids or family fun time, we we even like alternate. So Mondays, mom and the daughter have one-on-one time. And Tuesdays, it switches who has, you know, one-on-one time. Right. Who? And then family fun time where everyone is playing a game together. So we'll have those sort of mapped out even on the family HQ calendar on who has what day, that sort of thing. We'll do that for a certain period of time, 30 minutes, and then teeth brush, pajamas, reading, and lights out. So it's sort of adding this routine and rhythm to everyone. I mean, it's beneficial to us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you really, that one-on-one time, we really get to sort of, it's rare. Actually, I saw this statistic earlier this week. I was reading that children have on average seven minutes of one-on-one time with each of their parents on a daily basis. Whoa. Because often, you know, there's there's siblings, there's other people there. And so even if you are together, they don't really get that one-on-one, you know, sort of I see you time. And I looked at that. I was like, oh, gosh, I <laughs> that doesn't seem like that much. But, you know, it just happens in the rush and hustle bustle of, of life. So when we had looked and said that, you know, connection is really something that we want to do 
the way we made it happen is to schedule it in. Because I have said in other, like a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, connection is really important to me. I want that time, but I didn't schedule it in. And so I would sort of, it was kind of like the last minute thing that I thought about, oh, wait, yeah, I need to have one-on-one time with this child today. And it was not consistent and it wasn't every day or every week even. And so now scheduling it in ensures that it actually happens. And not always, you know, that's why we call it an ideal week. So some weeks it totally goes awry. But, you know, if we kind of strive for that and kind of direct ourselves back to it when we sort of go off the path. Right. I mean, I think too, think about how much more one-on-one time you've had just by setting that intention, scheduling it in. I think a lot of people tend to give up on things if they feel like they can't do it perfectly, but it's like, no, no, no. Even if you hit a few evenings a week, that's amazing. Right. Exactly. We kind of aim for, I don't know, 70% of the time. (laughs) Something like it. We're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for progress. Okay. So now I'm curious too, what are kind of some of the activities that you guys are doing during that one-on-one time? So special time is intended to be led by the child. And so it's a phrase coined from hand-in-hand parenting. And it is really sort of you say, hey, we've got this 15 minutes, we got this five minutes even, and I'm going to do whatever you want to do, as long as it's, you know, within whatever boundaries you have established as a parent, and really just kind of pour yourself into them and what they want to do. So for each of our children, it looks very, very different. You know, I spent one special time rolling a marble back and forth across the floor with my son, because that is what he wanted to do. (laughs) What are some other ones? I mean, there's a lot of drawing or coloring, any sort of sports or ball activity. I mean, there's also different phases where I was told to be a baby for 20 minutes and be taken (laughs) care of. So it's a lot of just any sort of play activities, but really just being fully invested in whatever it is that they want to do at that time. As far as like family activities, I mean, we are uh, we are a board game family. We are totally board game nerds. So there's great cooperative games that we sort of instead of having like competitive I beat you, you beat me sort of games, we've tried to get different cooperative games. Oh, what's the company that Peaceable Kingdom? Peaceable Kingdom, yeah, has great board games where you work as a team to make the alphabet soup or beat the troll to the treasure. There's all sorts of different ones where you're all working together and. There's even some more grown-up versions of like Forbidden Desert and Forbidden Island that we've started introducing to them. It's they're still co-op games, and we're working together to try and solve problems, and they're totally into it, which is really fun. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Okay, so Peaceable Kingdom, and your kids are—is it seven and four now? For another month. For another month, they'll be eight, eight <laughs> and five. So yeah, we got birthdays coming up. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Exciting. Then that's encouraging that. So even your, well, I guess now he's almost five, but at what age did you feel like he could be part of those games or at least maybe enjoy being around everyone playing the games? Yeah. I mean, three, two or three. I mean, he he's right we'd, there with we us. We would do like play on a team. So, you know, our younger one would be on my team and we'd play the game. And we always had to pick really short games. There's some really Like there's First Orchard, I think, is the first game that we had introduced to our younger one. And it's basically just like roll a die and match a color and like put it in a basket. And so that like something very easy that lasts maybe five minutes. 
And then we would go off and do something more active. Like, you know, my youngest had made up this follow the leader game where we just walk around the house and just copy what the person in front of them does. So we, we just kind of get goofy and just sort of go with it. <laughs> I love that. Our youngest is two. And so I'm trying to figure out, we actually just pulled out shoots and ladders yesterday and he figured out how to spin the spinner, but he totally loses interest in just a few minutes. You know, shoots and ladders is even really hard for my kids right now. They just, they get so upset about going down the the shoot. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we stick to the more cooperative games because it's not like pitting especially siblings, it's not pitting them against each other. Yeah. So the more that we can sort of tamp that down, the better. (laughs) Oh, yes. It doesn't need help from the shoots. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been so wonderful talking to you both. And it's so fun to have a husband and wife, you know, team (laughs) coming on the podcast to share your wisdom with us. As we wrap up, I'd love to hear if you have either a funny or an adorable parent moment that's happened recently. We were trying to think of something relevant to what we were talking about. And so part of the family meeting that we have every week is around meal planning. So what are we going to eat this week? What do you guys want to eat? Just sort of part of that family contribution and, and asking for help from the kids. And it is without fail every week for probably a year or two. Every Sunday, we ask, what do you guys want to eat? And they always say, nachos and pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And rarely ever is it followed through, but they are determined to say that every week, that that is what they want on the meal plan. And it's, you got to give it to them for their tenacity there. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) they know if they just keep at it one of these days. They keep asking. It's true. It's true. Because they do keep asking and we do put it on the menu. So. (laughs) Oh, so fun. So thank you again, Leslie and Zach. And remind everyone, where's the best place for them to find you online? The best place would be our website at halfbetter.us. Awesome. And I love that URL. That's awesome. Thank you both so much. Thanks for having us. It was a really fun conversation to have with you. Thank you. Thank you.